1: 65 morning as it is each and every single morning well not every single morning because we're not going to be here the next two mornings I shouldn't overstate the case but uh, glad to be here with you guys on a Wednesday get together John McMullen Jody McDonald here to hang with you um, good to see you JM you find out anything down at the uh, Nova care complex yesterday from any of the Eagle coordinators any breaking news?
2: Uh no breaking news, but I asked j g your question. I texted, yeah, he was not happy with me, <laughs> so there we go. We can break that narrative so
1: well, but uh, I did see his answer, and it was perfectly fine i If you tell me you think he was unhappy with you, that's i, I apologize if I no no, i'm problem. joking
2: I, I that i I don't care i i funny, I think everyone thinks we're best friends but uh, no, that's typical. I remember Jim Swartz got the same type of question, and he was even more gruff about it. It's understandable, you know, it's coming, but um, yesterday was the perfect day to do it because yesterday was the first day of the new window and the rule change right. where uh, guys could be interviewed. And Jacksonville put in a ton of interview requests, none for the Eagles coordinators, uh, that we know of at this point, but. You know, both Dallas coordinators, both Tampa Bay coordinators got requests uh, from the Jacksonville Jaguars. They're going to obviously interview Doug Peterson as well. They don't need permission to do that. But, um, yeah, that was the day to ask. It was the perfect day to ask. And it was interesting. I think, for once, I think Shane Steichen gave the better answer. uh, And he was more of, sure, uh, you know, great if it happens. But, you know, which is obvious for everybody. I mean, everybody's got this is just the way this business works and that you got to do two, two things at once. If you, if you get an opportunity to interview, you got to interview if your team allows it. And uh, that's the new rule tweak. They do have to, you know, they do have to grant permission, but it's kind of weird to me. And I've been trying to track that down because typically you can't prevent you can prevent assistant coaches from going to lateral positions, which right. basically means uh, if they're under contract, you've got to put that on there as well. And obviously, JG is uh, for any position but head coach. You can't block somebody from becoming head coach. So it's interesting. I haven't gotten a straight answer on that. Why do you need permission for a head coaching interview? I'm not sure that's correct. Uh, but I'm not 100% on that part of it.
1: Well, I think it's kind of a formality more than anything else. You can't just talk behind another team's back. You have to inform them that the, you're going to talk to their assistant, uh, whatever, uh, offense, defense, coordinator position for your head coaching position. They can't shut it down, but you don't want to just be sneaky about it. And so we're going to do this clandestine. No, you should be upfront and you should tell the team, listen, We're calling your guy and we're going to talk to him. We may offer him our head coaching position, but I don't think the team has uh, any capability of turning him down. I think you did a good job of describing it. I was just wondering whether we would get something along the lines of, oh, my day will come from JG. That uh, he basically went to the analogy of uh, stay where your feet are that stay in the moment, we've got a job to do. The only thing that matters right now is the Washington football team for the next five days. That that was his answer. I thought yeah. we might learn something if he said, well, not now, but my goal eventually is to become head coach. No, he just wanted to shut it down ASAP. Maybe because it came from McMullen and he can't stand you, and that's why he said what he did, yeah. but I don't believe well.
2: That um you know maybe if you think about it stay where your feet are which is what he said it also your feet are in an interview when you <laughs> when you're having an interview so yeah, but you got to you use know.
1: your feet to get out of the building to go get that interview so your
2: your feet are where your feet are in the moment so it works both ways uh, obviously he's not going to turn down an interview request if people think that it's not going to happen and, you know, I shot, I thought Shane, Shane's short of quip, they both gave me, uh, you know, this coaching staff is big on T-shirt slogans. I've made that joke before. His was, it isn't about what you want. It's about what you're willing to do to get it, which is a little bit too big for a bumper sticker or a T-shirt. But I thought it was a little bit better. Uh, uh, you know, he, he kind of admitted, well, of course, I'd love to be a head coach. But it's not, you know. I mean, it, it's 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 a it's not about what you want, you know. What are you willing to do to get that job? So, um, obviously, if you make the playoffs, if you make them run in the playoffs, success breeds opportunities. I mean, why are they why why are the Jacksonville Jaguars asking for permission to interview both Tampa Bay coordinators? I, I think it's pretty obvious that uh, reigning Super Bowl champions. Right. Why are they asking? to interview both Dallas coordinators. Pretty obvious, darn good football team this, this season. Um, success breeds those types of opportunities.
1: And those opportunities may just come for the Eagle coordinators. I don't think Shane Steichen's in the mix just yet, and we'll see if Jonathan Gannon is, but uh, they were both fine with their answers yesterday, and I'm sorry if it got you in any kind of trouble there, buddy boy. Uh, You you got big shoulders. You can suck it up and and deal with
2: it. I'm going to be just fine, Joey.
1: Speaking of big shoulders, um, and I was on WIP last night, and somebody uh, put it well, one of my callers, as a matter of fact that uh, I was just sitting here in my basement and I have uh, phone notifications for major sports stories on my phone. And I got a buzz and I just wanted to, it was like three or four o'clock and a half, two, three o'clock and no games were ongoing. Uh Uh-oh, major COVID announcement or or whatever. And my phone told me that uh, we lost a football icon yesterday in John Madden at the age of 85. And when I use the word icon, I'm not doing so uh, flippantly. He may just be the most influential person in the National Football League in the last 25, 30, 35, 40 years. That's how much uh, he has brought to the football dance. And yeah, I'm probably going to remember it. And mainly because I brought it up on the show last night and the fact that our lives have changed with technology since the time that John Madden first became uh, someone that we knew about in the National Football League, I was notified by my phone. Uh, I didn't see it on a breaking sports news. Uh, I didn't hear it from someone else within the industry. Hey, did you just hear? No, I I got it on my phone. And that's what technology is about uh, today. John Madden came before all of that stuff, yet he continued to play. While the world was changing and technology was changing us and football itself was changing to go from a Hall of Fame coach to one of the all time greatest, maybe the greatest broadcast of all time to continue his relevance with lending his name to a video game that first came out in 1988 and is as relevant, as strong as it's ever been. That tells you the kind of influence John Madden had on the game of football.
2: Yeah, I'm I mean, there is arguably not a bigger name. You just ran it down. It's it's very weird uh to go from as you mentioned, uh Hall of Fame coach, who by the way retired very young. Uh if you think we, we talk about um young head coaches today and act like it never happened before. Well it happened before and, and John Madden is probably um, you know. Uh, number one the number one example of that I think people don't realize with coaches again it was only about a decade with with the Raiders <clears throat> but he he's got the highest winning percentage in history uh, for for a coach with over 100 wins so for guys who've been around that long so you have that success as a coach and then somehow he becomes bigger as an announcer than a coach and certainly uh, to a younger generation, uh, he becomes bigger than that because of the video game. And now it's just Madden. His name is just, all you say is Madden. It, it's sort of like Madonna. It's sort of like Prince. You know, when when a celebrity becomes so big, they're known by one name, that, that became John Madden. So when you use the term icon, uh, that's often overused in the world. Uh, it is not overused in this particular circumstance, and his career arc is pretty, pretty amazing. As I said, normally in, in this sport, we look at Bill Belichick as perhaps the greatest coach of all time. Doesn't get any bigger than that. Uh, That—that's people's thinking. Well, it did for John Madden. <laughs> he was a Hall of Fame coach, and then he get, somehow got bigger and bigger and bigger for other things that all involve football, by the way. So, you know, arguably one of the biggest names, not not arguably, inarguably one of the biggest names in football history, arguably
1: the biggest name in football history. And uh, I'm pretty sure we did it uh, earlier this year in our first year on Birds 365, the day that the Madden Grades came out. Or maybe it was a day after, a day yeah, which after that. I, I,
2: I, I don't like, but in this day, I know what you're saying, but go ahead.
1: That <laughs> so many current NFL players get their panties yeah. in a twist if oh, they yeah. do not get the grade that they think they deserve on Madden. It's a freaking video game. Don't worry yeah. about your worry about your salary, worry about your team. No, how can they grade me at this on the Madden? Because game? it
2: means so much to them. Yeah, it is because it, of it's that.
1: Almost unbelievable.
2: Yeah, it really is. Man, I agree with you. And that's I'm I'm a hundred percent on it. I'm like, who cares? Fans get upset about it, players get upset about it. And every year, I'm like, what does it matter? It doesn't, but that's what it means to them, and it kind of speaks to the power of 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 what. That game has become, and and the fact that his name is attached to it, and you know, you know, locally, I think a lot of people don't know. uh, Way back in nineteen fifty eight, the Eagles drafted John. Yeah. Uh, So there's a history even locally. I mentioned the youth. He was thirty three years old when he was named the Raiders head coach. Um, So people who think you know Sean McVay broke the mold, eh, the mold was broken a long time ago. It's just that. You know, a lot of people couldn't do it to the level that he did it. So uh, people didn't go into that pool very, very, very often. So if you think about it, and as I said, he only stayed about a decade as the head coach, you know, burnout, whatever you want to call it, uh, Dick Vermeil type uh, essence. Um, so, you know, he's in his early 40s, uh, mid 40s. Uh, When he walks away, and it could have been that sort of Dick Vermeule, let me press pause even for that length of time and go back into coaching. Anybody would have hired John Madden. But he got, as I said, he got bigger as a color commentator. Everybody knows Pat Summerall and John Madden. And as good as Tony Romo is today, um, nobody's ever going to be John Madden when it comes to being a color commentator in professional football <laughs> and then as I said he walks away from that and people were kind of stunned uh, and and didn't know what to do and he gets bigger somehow gets bigger. it's pretty amazing
1: he is uh, and we have a word now again as our uh, as society marches on and things change. He was an influencer before we had influencers. no one ever knew what the word influencer meant. It is now something that everybody is dying to become because it's an easy way to get paid. Oh, John Madden did. He was one of the biggest influencers of all time uh, when he was an announcer and even after his announcing days said, come and gone. And you're right about him being an Eagle. He was the 244th pick of the draft. Eagles took him in the 21st round. Twenty-one. We only got seven rounds. They used to do 21 rounds. They're not he less teams. But, yeah, they kept drafting and drafting and drafting. Madden came in the camp, got hurt, and his NFL career never quite took off as a player. As a coach, it did. As a broadcaster, it did. Yeah. As an influencer, it did. It never made it as a uh, player, which is also something that I truly ap- appreciate because there are some guys who get gigs because they were players or because they were coaches. And after a period of time, you realize, you know, this guy's really not very good. And I've said this before. And if it uh, gets back to him and he gets annoyed, I'm doubting it gets back to him, Bird's 365. But Joe Montana was one of the worst broadcasters I've ever seen. And it kept him around for about four or five years. And I would just listen to him every week and go, what is he talking about? He was the greatest quarterback of all time when they put him up there uh, on a uh, TV pedestal. And that gets you a gig because of it. And sometimes it takes a while for people to actually uh, be able to come up and say, yeah, Joe, we know you're the greatest quarterback of all time, but you're not real good at what we're asking you to do, so we're not going to have you do it anymore. Madden took all that and took it to a new level And he got the gig just because he was very good at what he did, not because he was a great NFL player, former NFL player, never made the NFL. He would have made the Philadelphia Eagles if that were the case.
2: And real quick, Jody, as a coach, 10 years exactly, a decade, he won 100 career games. Um, And remember, they only played 14 uh, when he was a coach. So his record was 103-32-7, and seven, 750 winning percentage. He had a four-year span from 74 to 77. So he he, he made uh, four consecutive AFC Championship games. A little bit of Andy Reidish. They only won Super Bowl XI. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers existed back then, said they lost to them twice in the AFC Championship game. They also lost to Denver in the other one. Uh, But over that four span or four uh, year span, the the Oakland Raiders at the time lost nine games, nine games uh, over four years. Um, Yeah. Great coach, better color commentator as amazing as that is. And obviously the video game is, is more of a cultural thing uh, than
1: anything else, but, a uh, pretty amazing career and the funny thing about his his coaching career is probably the most memorable play that he uh was ever uh tending to was something that blew up in his team's face the immaculate yeah. reception which helped lift the Steelers to the Super Bowl he was on the wrong end of that people forget that because it comes it becomes about uh, Franco Harris and Terry Bradshaw and Frenchie Fuqua. Uh, but, yeah, John Madden was a guy who had to <laughs> jog off the field after that. I can't believe we lost that game yeah. that way. And it, so, it, we always
2: talk about everybody forgets. You're right, Jody. Look how quick, quick, you know, people say, oh, he didn't win the big one. He only won the big one once. Look at look at how how small the margin of error is from success and obviously the Steelers and their legendary run and, and what it could have been if he got a second one for the, for the Oakland Raiders um that's how and and those teams were great there were teams that in the 70s because there was no free agency so if you got a core group together you had them forever Uh, i mean and that's why you have teams uh uh you know the miami dolphins uh with the bob greasy don shula miami dolphins uh They used to have that rivalry. Pittsburgh used to have a little bit of a rivalry with uh, Houston, which people forget because Houston was sort of that second level. Then you look at the NFC and it was the Cowboys mainly, but also the Vikings and the Rams, the Vikings with Bud Grant, the Rams with Chuck Knox. Those teams were
1: just unbelievable. Hall of Famers all over the place. And, oh, by the way, uh, the the Raiders were – they that's why I think they became a national team, because not only were they great, not only did they have a colorful coach like John Mann, they had colorful players. They took guys off the scrap heap and made them Raiders guy Otis Sistrunk, who had not been a major college star. It was a way that they built that team for a long period of time that I think. Uh, lent itself to Raider Nation. All right, uh, we will get back in for the Philadelphia Eagles because, yeah, the countdown is on to the showdown with the Washington football team on Sunday. Eagles can actually get a playoff spot if they win and get a little help from their friends. But first thing first, got to win. they got to beat the Washington football team. How easy or tough a task will that be? We'll get a Washington perspective next. Chris Russell from the Redskins Radio Network is going to hop aboard with us here on Birds 365.
3: This is Joe Krause of Krause's Coats inviting you to donate a slightly worn coat or jacket and help veterans stay warm this winter. Go to Krause's Coats on Facebook to help those who've served. Have a happy holiday.
5: The city of Philadelphia sparkles during the Christmas holiday season with an array of colorful light displays and illuminated Christmas trees, donated or installed for free by the talented electricians of IBEW Local 98. To learn more about who we are, what we do and career opportunities at IBEW Local 98, visit us at www.ibew98.org.
0: field of life first trust bank is there for you
1: Seven, four, three. One, two, three. because
0: philadelphia dreams deserve a philadelphia bank as a hard-working american you've never experienced how tough life can be until now a catastrophic injury while working on the job a personal injury from someone else's negligence turned away by other law firms in the region who didn't bother to learn your story it's time to meet the fritz and beyond cooley law firm and managing partner, Brian Fritz. Badly injured? Call the Fritz & Beyond Cooley Law Firm. Find out why they say, we got this.
5: Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at (coughs) theoceanac.com.
1: Mac guys, here with you on Birch 365. It was just two weeks ago, not even two weeks ago, because the game got pushed back to a Tuesday, but prior to the meeting between the Washington football team and the Eagles, these two teams were dead even. Winner was going to put themselves in a very good playoff position. The other one was going to take a step back. Follow that up with a beatdown by the Eagles and a loss to the Cowboys by the Washington football team. And, yeah, the powers have swung. Uh, The Redskins are clinging to a potential playoff spot. Not happening. Uh, and the uh, Eagles are in a very good playoff spot. Here to tell us what happened over the last 12 or 13 days, which includes the Eagles' win on a Tuesday night here in Philadelphia, is a guy who covers the skins day in and day out. He is the Redskin insider for 106.7 The Fan down in D.C., Chris Russell. Good morning, Jody. Good morning, John. How are you guys? Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, Chris. Good to see you. Welcome to see back you to
6: the it's program. Great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. It's been uh, it's been an odyssey. That's uh, that's that's for sure. One thing I, I know you guys have an interesting football team year in year out to cover. You know, at least you guys like Washington occasionally wins. Okay, occasionally backdoor magic carpet rides. One thing's for sure: there is never any shortage of controversy or tire fires around here.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I'm
2: gonna try to avoid the Daniel Snyder. We can just yeah. talk off the field stuff forever, but yeah, exactly. Yeah, I I, I do want to talk about this team because we we did see him, and obviously we didn't see the Washington football mm-hmm. team at full strength or right. anything close since then. Uh, they were able to get Taylor Heineke, Kyle Allen back. Didn't work out well in Dallas, to say the least. We've seen some infighting between two of their best players in Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne. Chris, you've been around this league. You know, there's a point in every season where at least some teams say, all right, it's over. We're pulling the plug. Human nature. Start thinking about golf trips, vacations. Have we reach, reached that point with the Washington football team? Um,
6: actually for this Sunday, John, I don't think we're there yet because I think they have too much respect for Rivera and his coaching staff, specifically Rivera to just roll over, quit, play dead, you know, all of that stuff, even though they have a 3% chance of making the playoffs. Plus, uh, you know, as Jody kind of mentioned, uh, it's a big game for the Eagles. And even though, you know, FedEx field will be 75, 25 Eagles fans, uh, which we've seen before, that's no big deal around here. Um, I I think Washington will be motivated, A, to try and derail uh, Philadelphia season, B, going in at least, again, the small minute chance that they could still make the playoffs with a bunch of things happening, two wins, two losses for the birds, so on and so forth. But then on top of that, you know, a, a, a home, whatever this means, regular season finale. But more importantly, when you get your ass kicked like they did last Sunday night, it's just human nature. I mean, I've been covering this organization for so long. As as many times as we've kicked them to the curb, and you know, and 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 all the things that have gone on here, one thing they're generally good at, and this goes for you know, Jay Gruden and Rivera. Well, Rivera really hasn't gotten his clock cleaned like he did last Sunday, but certainly Gruden had many of those days. Mike Shanahan had a few of those days, so on and so forth. One thing they've been generally good at is you get your teeth kicked in. They come back fighting and clawing and scratching the next week. I don't know if they win. I doubt they win. They're not the better team, obviously, even with some of these guys back. But I, I would be shocked if they just roll over and play dead on Sunday.
1: Chris, no, the Eagles got the better of them here in Philadelphia 12 days ago, whatever it was. Um, but I actually tip my cat. To Garrett Gilbert. We watched the Giants try and put forth mm-hmm. a quarterback effort yeah. this past weekend. It was embarrassingly bad. I didn't think Gilbert was that. He hung tough in the pocket. He actually made some nice throws. Uh, don't know if he factors into the Red uh, the Washington football team's future at all, but uh, Taylor Heineke, we know is going to get the start this week. Could we see Gilbert in the game? Because I didn't think he played all that badly against the birds.
6: I'm with you. He didn't. He, he played actually admirably well for a guy who had gotten uh, to the facility on the previous Friday morning. And then obviously the game gets banged or moved that afternoon, which buys him a couple of days. And then he plays... You know, on Tuesday night, and part of the reason why they brought him in, as you guys probably remember, is, you know, he was with Carolina with Ron and this coaching staff. So he knew the system. And even though he had not been in the system for a couple of years, it's kind of like, okay, at least if you have a basic fundamental rudimentary understanding of some of the terminology and it's a much easier system to learn than, say, like Jake Gruden's <laughs> offensive system, which Sean McVay uses out in Los Angeles, and so on and so forth, which is much more wordier and complex. Uh, that being said, I, I don't think we see Garrett Gilbert this Sunday uh, because, as you mentioned, Heineke got cleared after the Philadelphia loss last Tuesday and in, or, and in advance of the Dallas Sunday night disaster. So did Kyle Allen. Uh, who will see start? is still, I think, a matter of what you believe. Like Ron said on Monday and on Tuesday, uh, we think we'll go with, you know, Heineke for now, maybe, possibly. But you'll see Kyle Allen. So I would expect to see both if I'm the Eagles, quite honestly. I think Taylor Heineke will start. Here's a a little nugget for you uh, that I was thinking about yesterday. You know, Heineke's been with this team, meaning Washington, for about uh, just over a year now. But the way the schedule has worked out, and because of COVID, he hasn't played the Eagles. Remember last year, Week Seventeen, I think, guys, the last time we talked, he in the division clincher, Alex Smith played that game, and, and Alex was hobbling yeah. around on one leg. And then last Tuesday, obviously, he's out because of COVID, and that was the first regular season meeting. So for whatever this means, the Birds haven't seen Taylor Heineke on the field in front of them in real live living color i don't know if that means anything but they haven't seen them
2: yeah it was interesting because you brought up ron and he mentioned you're probably going to see both quarterbacks which is uh interesting uh obviously taylor didn't play well uh, in dallas kyle allen has the history dating back to carolina uh with ron Um, how much is it there a difference between these two two quarterbacks, obviously Taylor won the job, but uh, I think a lot of people when they saw Ryan Fitzpatrick go down, thought mm-hmm. maybe, maybe it would be Kyle Allen. So what did Taylor do to sort of differentiate himself?
6: It's a great question, John, because I, I honestly, I was at just about every practice, uh, you know, training camp practice and, you know, preseason game and all that stuff. Nobody saw anything great from Taylor Heineke. As a matter of fact, the big controversy around here was, Hey, like, you know, why is this guy so bad in practice? And they kept saying, well, he's he he's bad because we're trying to rein him in. We're trying to keep him in the pocket instead of letting him do what he does. And that's we heard that with Jalen
2: Hurts in practice, by yeah, the way.
6: Yeah, yeah. But 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 that's been this like constant yeah. hug and pull all year is okay, we know he's better off script. We know he's better kind of moving around and pulling a magic. You know, I compare him in some ways to Doug Flutie. If you guys remember how yes. Doug Flutie used to be like, but, but Parcells and Belichick were the only ones to really be able to keep Flutie in the pocket. Once you kept them in the pocket, he was really, he would really struggle. I'm not saying Heineke is exactly that way. Heineke, I think, is better in the pocket. But the point being is he's not a great just like, hey, put you on your landmark five-step drop, seven-step drop. You guys saw the the interception on the first play of the game the other night, Sunday night, uh, that Trayvon Diggs had. Uh, and Terry McLaurin's targeted. Uh, Terry McLaurin was open. Like, he, ha- he has Terry McLaurin. Can't get it to him. Can't get it to him. From the pocket. Now, he's getting hit. I, I understand that. But the point being is Taylor Heineke is this weird mishmash. I call him a high wire act, right? Like sometimes he's really good on the move and sometimes he's really good scrambling around and making plays and extending plays, sort of the things that Jalen Hurts can do. But Jalen Hurts is much better, at least in my opinion, even though he's still inconsistent himself. But sometimes Taylor struggles in that that area too. And again, sometimes in the pocket, guys, he's really good. And a lot of times he struggles. He's just all over the place. Again, you just never know what you're going to get snap to snap in terms of accuracy, decision-making, timing, rhythm, ball accuracy, all of that stuff. And it's all just this mishmash. And that's the thing. Like people say, he doesn't have a great arm. And he doesn't. He has an adequate arm. He's fine. But when you don't have a great arm and you don't have great timing and you don't have great anticipation... It makes it really, really hard to pass the ball consistently, accurately, even over the middle. Never mind on the outside of the numbers and on that, you know, and on the sidelines,
1: which they sometimes try and do. Chris, less than two weeks ago, they pushed back the scheduled Washington Philadelphia game because the red, the uh, red Washington Football Team had over twenty guys in COVID protocols. Right am I right that they're down to just one or two guys on the list as of right now, or as of right now, the Eagles have more guys in COVID protocol than the Redskins. They <laughs> right. haven't had any other flare ups, uh, at least in this game, Washington's going to put their best roster forward because they have done uh, what they needed to do to get their guys back. Correct.
6: Yeah. As, as of now, Wednesday morning, I mean, obviously we haven't gotten testing, you know uh, you know, today and, and the rest of the week. So we'll have to, you know, obviously monitor that like every team does. Uh, and I don't know with these new rules, I mean, they're changing yeah. every day. I mean, who the hell knows, you know, what's going to happen. I mean, what we think we know yesterday, we don't know today, whatever the case might be. But as of right now, they got Brandon Sheriff back. He missed the last two games, including the Philadelphia game. They got Cole Holcomb back, uh, who's really important for them uh, because they're already suspect at linebacker. Uh, they need him, even though he's not great. <clears throat> he's just, you know, he, he's more he's more adequate than the rest of the guys. I I don't know what the right way to say that is. So yeah, they've got most of their guys back now. Listen, they still have a ton of injuries. Landon Collins, who obviously was a big impact early in that game last Tuesday night in Philly got hurt in that game. He's been put on IR. He's done for the season. Uh, They've got William Jackson, the third who again was hurt in that game last Tuesday night in Philadelphia. Uh, He missed last Sunday. He's not on IR right now. We'll see what happens uh, with that. But the bottom line is, is they have so many guys, as every team does, um, that they were counting on to play legitimately big, significant roles that have just not been able to contribute uh, this year because of injury, starting with Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, we talked obviously about the quarterback situation and what you might see this this Sunday. You know, Ryan Fitzpatrick going out, your starting quarterback who's never been injured in his NFL career outside of a minor little bump and bruise in 12 years or whatever it is. He goes out yeah. 11 minutes into the season and, and he's done. And I mean, you've spent, you know, $10 million on him, gone, never to return. Curtis Samuel, you spent a bunch of money on him, never been hurt before. Ron knows him. He's hurt all offseason. Oh, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. <laughs> Gets hurt. You know, yeah, still the, not a couple bad. Days before the season, and you've seen them for a game and a half. You know, so I mean, listen. I know everybody's got injuries. Not using it as an excuse. It is a reason why they are on life support at six and nine.
2: Yeah, not an excuse and explanation. I, I that's what I always use, Chris. But um, what you bring up, they changed the COVID protocols again yesterday to make it easier. And right. it, it seems pretty evident to me that they're gearing up for the playoffs and they want everybody on yeah. the field for the playoffs as much as possible. Now for teams like the Washington football team in new Orleans specifically who were fighting for that last playoff spot, eh, that kind of doesn't matter. Uh, you know, they had 20 people on the list go out and play, um, goodfellas reference if you guys know that film it's blank you go play um other best teams movie, best movie of all time yes. how can i not know that reference of course uh other teams you know they're going to be able to get even unvaccinated right. players back this week right carson wentz i'm looking at you in indianapolis <laughs> um it, obviously you haven't talked about this just happened but how is ron Rivera? handled this and is there a sense that uh in washington we got screwed a little bit uh
6: well i i think in washington they were obviously thankful that the game against philadelphia was extended a little bit so that they had a chance to get the montez sweat and the jonathan allens back and so on and so forth even though it ultimately turned out to be a loss they took their crack you know and they didn't have either of the top quarterbacks as we discussed They took their crack and they lost and then they had to deal with the repercussions, which was a really short week going into last Sunday night at Dallas, long travel, all that stuff. Um, So I don't think they should feel like they got screwed. Now, the the one unresolved question that at least I have, I I don't know. I, I don't know if anybody else is thinking about this, but I've wondered this. I've talked about this on my radio show, so on and so forth, is the outbreak on Washington started with Montez Sweat and unvaccinated players who famously or infamously last June said he wasn't going to get the vaccine until he got COVID. You know, and and that's how he was going to treat it, which can tell you a lot of things. I'll just leave it at that. Um, But but the question is, is whether that started the outbreak. We don't know because the NFL and and the team obviously won't reveal the genetic testing and all that stuff. that's the only way that I could see, like, in Ron Rivera's mind saying, gosh, you know, we had a four-game winning streak going into a period of five division games, starting with the Cowboys at home, the game before the the game up in Philly. We lost that, but we had a chance still with four division games still in the seventh spot to control our own destiny, so on and so forth, and we caught an unlucky break. Now, again, whether that unlucky break was caused by someone that didn't do what what he wanted them to do. And that's the one thing that I'll I'll just circle this back. Ron has been very, 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 very outspoken as a recovering cancer patient. And and I've supported him completely. And and I think most people have and understood. He has been very outspoken about players not getting vaccinated.
2: He has been critical. Yeah, he has. But real quick, let me jump in, Chris, because when I got to talk to Ron on the conference call before the first game. Yeah. I I asked him the question. I said, at the time, it was 22 or whatever. Right. I said, how many of these players are are asymptomatic vaccinated? He said the vast majority uh, of those players were asymptomatic. They were healthy. They were frustrated. They were complaining. They said, I feel fine. I'm ready to play. They Um, were.
6: They, they, They were. But you know who wasn't? Like, Taylor Heineke wasn't yeah heineke goes down that 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 thursday afternoon before the you know before the rescheduled game against the eagles which was supposed to be on sunday that moves to tuesday but he said look i tested positive i get put on the list friday morning i felt fine the first day or two then i felt like crap you know so i mean symptoms go all over the place right even with this new policy guys i don't know if you uh, caught this is like Well, the way the wording was was not that they were have to be asymptomatic, but they have to be improving in terms of symptoms. So I guess that Mm -hmm. means basically like, oh, like if they're not testing a 102 degree fever, if they're testing like a 98 degree fever or whatever, and maybe they have a sniffle, maybe they'll be allowed to play. I don't know. Uh, Here's the bottom here. Here's the bottom line that I'll just say this real quick. You know, Ron. Uh, and I think Bruce Arians has been like this and uh Mike Zimmer has been like this. There are a couple of the old school old guard head coaches that have been very, very, very outspoken and belligerent about mm-hmm. uh, this stuff. And Ron was worried about the immaturity, immaturity of his team coming into this year. And I truly believe, you know, part of that was Montez Sweat, Chase Young, guys like that, that are young bucks, young stallions that weren't vaccinated, um, And I think he was truly worried about this scenario that has played out. All along. And so was I, I mean, I've been talking about this whole offseason, and 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 I'm not trying to take credit for it, but I, I felt this coming when you had that many unvaccinated players and we know, we know this, whatever your political stance is, we know this football players, football teams, they're in close quarters, they're around each other a lot. And it spreads like wildfire, especially when you get like a new variant. Again, I'm not trying to go where any, anywhere where I'm not educated on. I'm just saying that, I wonder if in Ron's mind, he'll never admit this publicly. I, I probably want, I want to believe that Ron believes that this season was derailed and ruined finally because
1: of COVID. Chris, let me jump back onto the field for a second. Um, and yes, the Washington football team last several weeks because of all the players that have missed have not been exactly the same, but as per at least those that are capable of playing or, uh back on the roster we'll find out exactly at what level that is this week i want to look at the team on the season as a whole sometimes numbers tell the story and sometimes they can be a bit deceiving i just looked it up redskins against the run are a top 10 defense this year yards allowed per game right redskins against the pass are in the bottom three 30th out of 32 Mm -hmm. The Eagles like to run the football. They're planning on running the football this week, even though they don't have Miles Sanders. But that seems to be the stronger aspect of the Redskins defense, whereas they can be passed against. They're the third worst team in the league against the pass. Are the numbers indicative of the way the – has played all year for
6: the most part yes jody because they're especially in the first six games of the year there was constant communication breakdowns a lot of new secondary members i mentioned william jackson the third uh bobby mccain was brought over from miami so on and so forth so there was a lot of communication issues they were getting beat for big explosive plays uh, and, and that was a problem also early last year as well. If you guys remember against the birds in week one, the Carson Wentz sack fest, you know, Jalen Rager hits a big one over Ronald Darby, the former Eagle corner. And that was a, again, a problem all year, or I should say more early last year. And And same thing for this year, it got better. Uh, towards the middle part of the season obviously during the four game winning streak that they have, now it's kind of sort of back again as injuries have piled up COVID so on and so forth I definitely think you can pass the football there's no doubt about it. and again against the birds last Tuesday night here was my thing like it's one thing to give up 200 rushing yards or 175 rushing yards to Philadelphia that's going to happen it's happening to everybody right What you can't do is allow almost 300 passing yards for Jalen Hurts. Even if it wasn't bombs away, it was 20, 25, 30 yards to Dallas Goddard to, you know, uh, the the screen uh, to set up the Greg Ward touchdown on third and six, so on. on. I mean, that's what you can't do. So if Philadelphia can do both, which they did last Tuesday night, Philadelphia is going to rock and roll and win this game. that being said, if there is a strength right now to this Washington defense, it has been their run defense most of the year outside of that Philadelphia game. It was a weakness <laughs> last year. I think they overcorrected it this year. And for the most part, they've stabilized it. But can they can they be creased even without Miles Sanders? Sure. If they miss tackles, if they're running all over the place, if they're flopping around
2: like fish, absolutely. You can crease them. So, how, Chris, how how is Ron and and Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne? How have they handled uh, what went on against Dallas in such a a, a public setting?
6: Yeah, they dismissed it and, and and brushed it under the rug. John, oh, you know, Ron, as of Monday when we last you know had a chance to talk to him, said he hadn't even seen the video of the fight yet. Now, I mean, look, late night game, uh, you know, long travel <laughs> back, so on and so forth. Maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. Ron doesn't, Ron doesn't like want to add fuel to the fire. Okay. He said he talked to those guys uh, afterwards when he was informed. A lot of people around here were enraged that Ron didn't go. You know, my co-host on my radio show was enraged that Ron didn't go right over there and start yelling and pointing a finger and screaming at these guys. And I tried to explain, you guys know this, you know, on an NFL sideline in the game, the head coach, I mean, like, he's, he's not worried about yeah. what, what's going yeah. on 20 feet behind him. And, and yeah. you don't always hear that either, especially in a, in a stadium like AT&T Stadium where you got, you know, 85,000, 90,000 people there. So I truly and legitimately believe Ron didn't know until like halftime of that game what was going on. Now, the, the, the hard part that everybody's trying to figure out is – these two dudes, first-round picks, back-to-back years in 2017, 2018, both from Alabama, both teammates in Alabama, both teammates the last couple of years here in, in Washington, how that can happen. Well, it can happen when you're getting your ass kicked. That's number one, which yeah. they were. Number two, Jonathan Allen was really, really vocal after the Philadelphia game about their run defense and how sloppy they were and how bad they were. And I always have believed this. John. Duron Payne is talented and Duran Payne might have more talent per square inch in his body than Jonathan Allen. Duron Payne is half the player that Jonathan Allen is in terms of the consistency the motor the hustle the relentless effort the dominance at times and I think that pisses Jonathan Allen off and I, I think Jonathan Allen was frustrated angry, trying to motivate his tag team partner, if you will, in the middle. We should be better than this. This is beep, 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 beep. And and I think Deron Payne got up, heard it, and thought he was calling him out. Maybe he was specifically. They won't talk about that. And, again, pointed the finger, right? And here's what I know. Did Jonathan Allen handle it right? No, of course not. You don't want to take a swing at at, at your teammates. <clears throat> but, you know, like, guys, if if we were in the same room together and I got up and I put a hand in your face – what would you do to me? You know, like I, well, I know Jody, yeah, Jody's I think gonna I, come I think on. I slap your hand down. I don't know if I pull it from back <laughs> well, well, here. Ready well, well, to Jody, crack you but he did, he did <laughs> swat his hand away. He did swat his hand away. But then he threw the punch, right? And yeah. and maybe, thankfully for Deron Payne, or maybe thankfully for Jonathan Allen, he missed. You know, but he did yeah. swat his hand right. away first. And you know, here's what I'll say. Again, they're gonna sweep it all under the rug. I've I felt this way for a while with all of these pieces on the defensive line and the underachievement of this year. And I felt this way going into this year, Jonathan Allen just redid, uh, signed a long-term contract. He's staying. I felt for a while, including before this year that Jerron Payne would possibly be dangled in a trade for a franchise quarterback along with maybe a first or a second, you know, yeah. one or two first round picks or what have you. And I know you guys know nothing about first round picks. I mean, you only have 4,000 of them uh, coming up. Uh, but I think he'll be used, and, I, and I, I, I certainly have not changed my perspective since Sunday night. I think he'll be dangled in a trade this offseason. Whether somebody bites or not, I don't know, but I think he'll be dangled because somebody will want that talent, even though the consistency, the motor is not always there.
1: All right, Chris, last one for me. How important is the first quarter of this week's game? Because I think – it will basically decide the game one way or the other. Uh, You on board with that? Or do you think this is going to be a 60 minute game that's decided in the fourth quarter?
6: I think it'll be more than a first quarter game, Jody. And and, and maybe I'm just going recency biased. I, I expect Washington to come out, obviously, you know, again, a little hellfire just from getting their asses kicked last Sunday night. But, I'll just take you back to the game in Philadelphia a week and a half ago, right? I mean, Washington dominated that first quarter. Up 10 nothing. could have been up 14 nothing. two turnovers. Philadelphia as horrible as you guys have probably seen them in a while. And then it just completely flips. And even though Washington did sort of hang in that game, you know, and get back into it late, you know, midway through the fourth quarter or whatever the situation was before the uh, – I guess it was after the uh, – no, it was before the Ward touchdown – Uh, that kind of iced it, you know, that game radically changed late first, early second, and then flipped in favor of Philadelphia. So maybe the script is somewhat similar uh, to that, but I I do believe ultimately Philadelphia wins this game, but ultimately I think they're going to have to fight, claw, and scratch for every little morsel, uh, you know, maybe win a 20 to 17, 23, 20 type of game. I don't think this is a blowout one way or the other. I don't think it's a one quarter game. I don't think Philadelphia, I would be surprised if Philadelphia comes out and boom, slams on the gas pedal and is up, you know, uh, 17, nothing after the end of one quarter, I'd be surprised if Washington comes out flat.
2: All right, Chris, last one for me, give me the vision board of Washington. How do they win this game? If they win this game, how can they do it? Well, uh, John, don't turn
6: the ball over. That's number one, because you're not good enough to turn the ball over maybe once, but certainly not more than once. And I would strongly suggest, hey, you might not want to turn the ball over even (laughs) once. Okay, Uh, And and I know that's tough against Darius Slay and so on and so forth, uh, and and the pass rush that Philadelphia will be able to uh, ultimately get to Washington on and Heineke or Kyle Allen, what have you. You can't turn the ball over. Antonio Gibson's turned the ball over way too much this year. Even though he's a really good running back, he's turned the ball over way too much. Um, So that's number one. Number two is they've got to get back to the identity that they used during the four-game winning streak. And what that is is – and that's how they started off the Philadelphia game, running the ball, running the ball, running the ball, running the ball. Remember after that weird, fluky turnover, they ran the ball four out of five plays, boom, short field, touchdown, Antonio Gibson. That's what they did during their four-game winning streak. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't always great. They didn't always score enough points, granted, but they controlled the clock, 35-plus minutes a game, kept their defense fresh, kept them off the field, third and shorts, all of that made things easier, easier for Heineke. That's their only chance to win this game. If they repeat that script and they got away with it in both Dallas games and they did it early against Philadelphia. And I think they tried to do it more against Philadelphia, but Philadelphia adjusted, made a couple of three and out stops. And then the game got out of whack. So uh, again, I think you've got the, the only chance Washington has of really kind of controlling this game and and limiting uh, Philadelphia's attack is by controlling the line of scrimmage and wearing them down. If there's a strength of this Washington offense, it's the offensive line.
1: Chris, great stuff. Uh, Johnny Mack will see you Sunday down at the game. I won't. And I would just make one suggestion. If you don't want to uh, take any verbal abuse from the crowd that will be dominating the stadium that would be the Eagles uh don't wear any burgundy uh that 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 might get you a couple catcalls I, try I, I try I
6: try not to you know I mean when you look like me you try and like hide as much as yeah. possible <laughs> then. and, and, and Johnny I I know this like I like I haven't been to Lincoln Financial Field in a while I didn't get to go last Tuesday because of the game change or whatever but the press box spread from what I remember in Lincoln Financial Field for Eagle games is awesome, 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 awesome times 10. Well, it's you better
2: know, than Washington. Yeah. It's no, no well, Dallas. I saying, it's no I know Dallas, it, Chris.
6: I don't know if it's changed over the years, but it used to be my favorite place to go because I'm a fat guy and I like to eat, okay? I'm, I'm with you. Coming you to Washington, it's gotten a better. It's gotten better, but I, I would probably bring a Wawa sub or yeah. something like that.
2: I, I know. I got to be ready for Washington, but Dallas, I mean, yeah, that's like, uh, you know, you say what you want about Jerry Jones, but that
1: guy's uh, top shelf all Any the way. Any press
6: box with imported beer on tap. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they have my uh, uh, Chris, get ready to drink domestic on Sunday <laughs> after the Redskins get beat by the Eagles. Uh, Thank thanks guys, much, appreciate buddy. Appreciate you hopping on board. That is Chris Russell from 106.7, the fan down in D.C. Um, Redskins insider hopping aboard with us and i think i only called the washington football team by their old yeah name. you got a lot
2: of swear the swear jar is overflowing jody uh, you got yeah. a lot of redskins in there i did stop that. though that I, is... I, I i you know when we were talking about john madden i had to you know I, it's oakland los angeles las vegas it's tough with the raiders i still throw out of san diego every now and again with the chargers uh, it's tough. It's tough. I even throw out a St. Louis with the Rams or vice versa. When they were St. Louis, I'd throw out a Los Angeles. Uh, it's a
1: pain in the you know what. My favorite story along those lines was it took me the entire time they were in Los Angeles to call the Raiders the L.A. Raider. I finally got it where I never said Oakland anymore. And what they do. <laughs> they moved back to Oakland. No sooner did I get to call them Los Angeles. Every single time they went back to be the Oakland Raiders. So, yes, apologies for the shortcomings, but nobody really gets all that hurt. All right, we'll come back. A couple of things I want to run by, John, in this uh, matchup. Uh, about, oh, let's say uh, 25 minutes from now, we'll be joined by Rob Monte, our buddy from the Associated Press, get his take on Eagles and the Washington football team and a bunch of things. Let him comment on the passing of John Madden as well. We still got lots of time right here on Birch 365.
3: This is Joe Krause of Krause's Coats, inviting you to donate a slightly worn coat or jacket and help veterans stay warm this winter. Go to Krause's Coats on Facebook to help those who've served. Have a happy holiday.
5: The city of Philadelphia sparkles during the Christmas holiday season with an array of colorful light displays and illuminated Christmas trees, donated or installed for free by the talented electricians of IBEW Local 98. To learn more about who we are, what we do, and career opportunities at IBEW Local 98, visit us at www.ibew98.org.
0: field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. As a hardworking American, you've never experienced how tough life can be until now. A catastrophic injury while working on the job, a personal injury from someone else's negligence turned away by other law firms in the region who didn't bother to learn your story. It's time to meet the Fritz and beyond Cooley law firm and managing partner Brian Fritz. Badly injured? Call the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm. Find out why they say we got this.
5: Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. <laughs>
1: We got John McMullen and Jody McDonald, your Mega MacBird Street 65 guys here on a walkthrough Wednesday. That's what John's gonna have to go down and cover a little later on today. No,
2: we don't go down. We're not allowed in. New COVID On the walkthrough rules.
1: days, they they yeah. they 86 you guys that's
2: that's why I'm here because we no longer have testing on Wednesdays because there's a walkthrough. So they kicked our testing to Thursday um because of those walkthroughs. Um so Until they actually practice again on Wednesday, and I don't think they're going to. Um, Yeah, the new COVID restrictions, uh, further limitations. Um, It is what it is. So we're back to Zoom.
1: Gotcha. He'll be Zooming his life away a little bit later. Um, John, I do want to uh, bring this up again. Something that I brought up before here on Bird 365. and. It, you may even be able to describe it as a pet peeve of yours, truly. Um, the game is supposed to kick off at, what, 1.05? I, they don't ever get it started. I'm always here, and uh, I got my eye on the clock, and, uh, and I go from uh, the pregame show to whatever, uh, and the game gets kicked just after one, minutes after one o'clock. But something happens prior to that. Bunch of guys come out to the middle of the field, and the referee comes out with a coin in his hand and they flip no. <laughs> it and they determine who's going to get the ball first. And I uh, will even text you from time to time if I remember. Uh, if it's not broadcast, and most times on television, they don't show the coin toss. So I need to uh, reaffirm from you did the Eagles win the toss and defer? Hmm. Which my belief is that they do so by rote that if they win, the analytics say that, oh, if you can get that possession right at the end of the first half and then get the first possession in the second half, back-to-back possessions that put you in an advantageous position. I, I think that it's woefully overstated, and I think that some thoughts should go into it every single week, that if you want to make a statement because of the way that you either feel about your team or you feel about the opposition – that you might want to actually say, no, give me the ball first. I want to establish my offense. I want to stick it in their eye by going right down the field and getting a touchdown. And in this game, because I think Washington is teetering. They're not mathematically eliminated from playoff contention yet. I think they'd have to have 12 games go exactly the way they need them to go over the last two weeks of the season for them to sneak in and grab the final wild card spot. Highly unlikely. I think if you come out and you punch them in the mouth, I think they'll go down like a sack of potatoes. I think they're waiting to fall apart. Our buddy Chris Russell just said, no, no, no. After they got punched in the teeth, they're getting back up with a vengeance this week. Maybe. I doubt it. I want to see the Eagles take them out and take them out fast, which means I may actually think about taking the football on Sunday. What are the percentage chances? catches that the Eagles win the coin toss, which makes it 50-50 to begin with. And then once they win, they say, yeah, give us a football.
2: Uh zero. <laughs> yeah, you and I are on the same page here. A little bit different. Um I, I would not take the football. I, I I take the football in very uh strict circumstances early in the season if you're playing Kansas City if you're playing uh, Tampa Bay if you're playing even the Los Angeles Chargers I would entertain it because they're explosive teams and I want to shorten the game especially the way I play and the best way you can do that is to take the football go on an eight-minute drive to start the game and when you're on an eight-minute drive uh, well Patrick Mahomes isn't on the field that that's my shift in philosophy um, I do agree And, you know, as people tend to do, uh, Toppy Bill Belichick, it was his, I'm not going to say he came up with it. It's not brilliant, but he was the first one who verbalized what you want to do. You want to score at the end of the first half and get the football in the second half. And when you do that, if you're able to sandwich the half with scores, you win an astronomical amount of the time. Um, So I like that. I like getting the ball. I prefer to get the ball in the third quarter. So I get why coaches do it. But there's too much. I'm just doing that. And we asked Nick Sirianni that question. And Kratz and I, we asked him that question. And he said, no, nah, I prefer to defer. So there is no open thought. Now, maybe it changes. Everything can change. Um, But he said what he said, and they've done it the entire year. When they win the toss, they defer. Um, I I don't agree with it. I think there's open. This is not because Washington is not explosive enough offensively, so I wouldn't take the ball because I have confidence in my defense, and we gave you all those numbers yesterday against bad teams with bad quarterbacks. Okay, you can criticize them all you want for the Brady's and the Mahomes and the Herberts. Well, they ain't playing Brady and Mahomes and Herbert. So I don't have a problem with it this week. I get what you're saying because I have that same philosophy. I think Washington is ready to give up. So I hear what you're saying, but they're so bad offensively, so limited offensively. I, I want the ball in the third quarter. I want that potential to sandwich the half with scores.
1: All right, uh, uh, you and I are going to disagree, and I know me and the head coach of the Eagles are going to disagree because he's going to defer if they win the coin toss. I'm almost rooting for Washington to win the coin toss so uh, they can make the decision rather than us having to debate about uh, the way the Eagles do it. But let me follow up on something I asked Chris Russell, put it to you. I I did. I looked the numbers up right before Chris came on the air with us. That the redskin – the Washington football team against the run is top 10 in the league. They're actually slightly ahead of the Eagles. I think they're eighth and the Eagles are ninth in yards per game given up on the run. Against the pass, they're 30th out of 32 teams in the National Football League. The numbers are not close. They give up like 100 yards on the ground, 103, 104. And against the pass, over 200 yards per every single game. That's indicative of you should be thinking about trying to throw the football against the Washington football team. Last week when the Eagles tried to mix it up a little bit in the first half, I'll certainly acknowledge that they they seemed like they wanted to establish the pass to then set up the run and be able to uh, uh, just run it down a giant's throat and easily control the game in the second half. Uh, They didn't get off to a good offensive start. And I took criticism, heard it on Twitter and and on WIP uh, yesterday that what was Sirianni thinking? Why did he come out? Why didn't we just run it down their throats, run it down their throats, run it down their – why did we have to sweat till halftime before we took over the game? What are they going to do? Run pass ratio first half this week against Skins. The Skins defense dictates maybe more pass happy, but the Eagles success dictates maybe more run happy. How do you think the breakout works? First half in Washington on Sunday.
2: Well, I think the Eagles have faced a number of uh, top-tier run-stopping teams during this sort of run, and the first time they met, uh, which wasn't, as you mentioned, that uh, you know on Tuesday night, um, the Washington came into that game ranked fifth, and one of the reasons they went down is because the Eagles. Ran it 41 times for 238 yards. Um, So they're going to try to run the football. Uh, Now, the little curveball, now you don't have Miles Sanders. So while we talk about Miles and some of the limitations um, he has as a player, we talked a little bit about the pass receiving. You know, that was his career-high game, 130-something yards, I believe. Um, you know, that's a big loss and we're, we're going to talk to Nick Sirianni. Um, I think it right around noon today, uh, and we'll get a further update on Jordan Howard. I imagine who has a stinger all of a sudden, if you don't have Jordan Howard and Miles Sanders, look, Boston Scott is capable um Kenny Gainwell is capable you just brought back on Johnson yesterday to the practice squad eh, you're taking a hit so maybe you have to throw it a little bit more but look they're a run first team now and they've realized the strength of their team is the offensive line and when he's healthy Jalen's a big part of that Jalen Hurts is a big part of it as well and we'll see how they feel about his ankle Last week, they didn't feel great about his ankles, so they weren't allowing him to be part of that running game. That would be very helpful if he's back to being a big part of the running game. But they're going to try to run the football. Uh, that's, that's their identity, so to speak, now.
1: All right, then uh, I'm guaranteeing that whether they get the ball first because Washington wins the coin toss and defers – or if the head coach of the Eagles shocks us and decides to take the football to start the game, I'm with you. I think they're going to be very run uh, reliant that we're not going to see the same game plan that we saw last week against the Giants. All right. uh, Another pet peeve of mine. I got all sorts of pet peeves. Uh, Deferring to start the game and our good friends at pro football focus. And we haven't had our guy on in like, uh, I don't think once all season, we had him on preseason we haven't had our uh, pro football focus guy on as a guest. Maybe we need to get him on again. Maybe we shouldn't, because I'll just question him <laughs> up and down. Um, they, they, I forget which website it does, but they recap the uh, grades that the Eagles get individually and rank them. Um, it might be inside the Eagles. I'm not, Eagles, I'm not sure. Um, they, they, they put up the grades for the uh, players on the defensive side of the ball this past week. And I was shocked by uh the rankings. Where the hell did I add it? I had it here on my sheet. Um the top ranked player was Josh Wett. Did I thought Josh Wett played great last week. Um, and he was their number one ranked player. But other guys, uh the eighth best player on defense was uh Jared Maiden. Oh yeah. I he, thought T J was first. Was Sweat about T J? No, uh, yeah, Sweat was the number one ranking guy. Um, and, oh, by the way, he's the only guy in the top ten ranked from the defensive line. Jared Maiden was eighth. Andre Sacheray was ninth. Marcus Epp was tenth. No ranking for Fletcher Cox. He's below Marcus Epps. No ranking for uh, J.B. on Hargrave. He's behind Marcus Epps. I thought Milt Williams played real well and should have gotten a good grade in that game. He's behind Marcus Epps. How do you watch that game? And the only Eagle defensive lineman they have ranked in their top 10 Eagle defenders on Sunday is Josh Sweat. And I like the Sweat ranking because I thought he played real well. But they got all linebackers and and safety guys and backup guys. I know they don't do it per snap. It's just how you played in the snap you got. So I, I understand their way of doing it. But how do you not give Fletcher Cox and... Javon Hargrave, good grades coming out of that game.
2: Well, a couple things, and I always say about uh, pro football focus. I mean, it's it's not worth much unless you add the context to it. I think they do a very good job. So I'm, I'm you know, uh, yeah, it, you, because I see this all over the place, and I'm not blaming you, Jody, but sites will take the information. They'll rank players, for instance, and they'll say, okay, so-and-so is the highest-ranked player on offense, so-and-so is the highest-ranked player on defense. Um, And I'll I'll just give you a quick example. I'll pull up some of the grades. Um, The highest-ranked player in football is Trent Williams. Uh, Bob Groats, if you're listening, the left tackle of the San Francisco 49ers that you don't think can play. And it's a 100-point system cause that's how NFL teams generally grade their players. Uh, and Trent Williams is at 98.3. Um, so keep that in your mind. And I'm going to look at linebacker, um, linebacker, the top player is Micah Parsons. Um, and his grade is 84.8. Um, In other words, because of the position, there's much more room for error. In other words, what you're grading is somebody accomplishing what they're supposed to accomplish on a particular play. It's a lot easier for an offensive lineman to accomplish what they're going to accomplish on a particular play than other positions. I just gave you linebacker, cornerback would be the same thing. Um, They have a lot more margin – Of error, so by nature, their grades are going to be lower than now. You could be a terrible offensive lineman, still get a terrible grade. You still got to be a great player. But I hope I'm explaining it as well. So it's it's baked in that certain positions are going to have the ability, at least if you're a good player or you play a good game, to have a higher grade than other positions. So when you see just you know, aggregation sites are just putting up a blank number, and they're not adding that context. That's where you have all this pro football all focus. Right, but then, angst.
1: then explain this context to me about the Eagles and their defense this past weekend. Josh Went the number one ranked player, uh, number two eight, on, on defense, number two DJ uh, Edwards, number three Rodney McLean, number four Darius Lane, number five Josiah Scott, number six. Did well, Josiah, Anthony Harris, early. number seven, Avante Maddox, number eight, Jared Maiden, number nine, Andre Saturay, and number 10, Marcus Epps. How do you not have one of their defensive linemen not named Josh White in well, your Jody, top ten of the rankings?
2: Well, I, I was getting to that point. Then I was like, look at that list, and what is it heavy on?
1: Secondary.
2: Secondary. Who was the quarterback of the New York Giants?
1: That would be... Uh, Jake Fromm.
2: It was the easiest week the secondary is going to have, and again, that's the kind that's. Yeah, but part of
1: the reason why Jake Fromm stunk was the fact that the Eagles got pressure up the middle on almost every single play. Somebody was in his face.
2: Certainly, well, you know, certainly everybody should have had a good grade. Basically, I agree with you, but on this particular week, it was going to be easier for the secondary, um, for obvious reasons.
1: There's and, your context. There's your why would guys in the secondary get great grades? They couldn't even get the ball out of his hands because well, of the defensive and, line and, pressure. And,
2: and, you know, you're getting accomplished what you're getting accomplished, but that's why, you know, that's why a lot of these things are, are you know, the coaches know that. Jonathan Gannon got asked that yesterday by somebody. I think it was Marcus Hayes, our buddy Marcus Hayes. Um, You know, how do do you, how do you evaluate? You know, everybody looks great. You're a top 10 defense, but when you're playing quarterbacks like this, essentially, how do you evaluate? Well, they take that into account. They know, they know who the opposition is, but you know, if you're just grading somebody in a particular game, well, you might know Andre Satcher is playing well because Jake prompts the quarterback. And you're not going to have confidence, but you're also not going to be able to say, well, Andre Sachery didn't play well in this game. But you know why? And other people, if you just put that number out there and say, well, Andre is playing pretty well, then you have small sample size. Look, I always say pro football focus is great if you know what you're looking at. If you don't know what you're looking at, yeah, it's going to be hinky. And that's why people have have, have – Many, many issues with it. But it's, you know, you're not going to spend four hours on Twitter explaining 7,000 levels of context to a particular uh, grade on a game. It's it's just not possible. Well, maybe- you, you take it for what it is. Andre Satchery played well. Marcus Epps played well. Everybody. Josiah Scott doesn't even play, typically. Mm-hmm. Played well because Jake
1: Brown was the quarterback of the other team. More okay. than anything else. I I think I know a little about football, not everything, but a little about football and understand the context of football and the context of what pro football focus is attempting to do. They're just wrong here. They're wrong. I watched the game. I could give out my grades. And there's no way I'm leaving Fletcher Cox and Javon but, Hardwick. But, but, but Jody, players. you're
2: grading on a different scale than they're grading. Well, then I'm they're, telling
1: you their scale stinks. Well, They need but, to adjust their scale. If their scale lends itself to these results, their scale needs to be adjusted.
2: Their scale mimics what coaches grade players on. Like their scale isn't... Uh, what what Jody McDonald wants or what John McMullen wants or what somebody sitting at home watching Bird 365 wants their their whole system and they've actually hired ex-coaches their their whole system is based on how coaches grade film that's that's what they're trying to do and you know to be honest, if you want to criticize pro Football Focus, they're the worst part of their job because they have a lot of NFL clients now. I, that's their biggest, um, you know, a comp, you know, that that's who they're trying to please, but, but they also sell their product to the individual public. Anybody who wants to pay for it can pay for it. Um, and they don't give those people the information of what they're looking at. Uh, that's, if you want to criticize pro football focus, that's where I would start Um, because I do think people think about it. Like you're thinking about, okay, who's the best player. They're grading film of a particular game. And if you play uh, a crappy opponent, um, it's going to be weighted the same as if you play a great opponent, even though we all know it's not. So in other words, it's a it's one of a sample size. And when you play Kansas City as a defender, you get the same weight as when you play the New York Giants and Jake Fromm. So it is what it is. There's plenty of flaws. But when you know that, it makes a little bit more sense, at least to me it does. Yeah,
1: I think the flaws were out and well in focus this week if you do not give the Eagles defensive tackles credit for the effort that they put. Now, uh, again, for a football fan, you can put it in the proper context. The Giants offensive line stinks. So maybe they should be expecting – no, 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 no. They, they, they don't put that into their evaluation week in and week out. If they did, there's no way the Eagles' defensive secondary would be able to get the kind of grades they got because everyone will – oh, Jake Fromm can't throw the ball a little bit. So why, we should, why should we give any credit to the secondary, the Eagles? It just stands out. And, and this is the way I always look at pro football focus. Some weeks, I align perfectly with the way they evaluated and graded out and broke down film and sometimes I say who the hell looked at that tape because that's not the way I remember it and I watched well when you
2: look at it so I'm pulling up Javon for instance I mean the best pass rushing interior defense lineman Aaron Donald number one which is pretty obvious Javon Hargrave number two
1: yeah so that means somehow, some way, he had a lousy game this past week.
2: No, I'm saying they have him as the second graded pass-rushing interior defensive lineman. I think Eagles fans would agree with that. Um So it, it comes down to, you know, if they're so bad, you know, why do they get so many things right? Uh, You know, if you look at their – uh Grades, as I say often by Pro Football Focus, they're right an awful lot. Uh, you know, when you, when you look at their grades, if if you're playing well, you're going to have a high Pro Football Focus grade. If you're playing poorly, you're going to have a low Pro
1: Football Focus grade. <laughs> Now, I, one, I won't one. argue that with you, but I will argue that their grades this week were completely out of whack. You want to take big-picture look over the course of a season? I agree with you. I think they get the things right uh, most of the time, but they did not this past weekend. All right, we'll put pro football focus aside. We need the Marty focus. Our buddy Rob Marty from the Associated Press is going to hop aboard next here on Birch 365.
3: This is Joe Krause of Krause's Coats inviting you to donate a slightly worn coat or jacket and help veterans stay warm this winter. Go to Krause's Coats on Facebook to help those who've served. Have a happy holiday.
5: The city of Philadelphia sparkles during the Christmas holiday season with an array of colorful light displays and illuminated Christmas trees, donated or installed for free by the talented electricians of IBEW Local 98. To learn more about who we are, what we do, and career opportunities at IBEW Local 98, visit us at www.ibew98.org.
0: field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. As a hardworking American, you've never experienced how tough life can be until now. A catastrophic injury while working on the job. A personal injury from someone else's negligence turned away by other law firms in the region who didn't bother to learn your story. It's time to meet the Fritz and Beyond Cooley law firm and managing partner, Brian Fritz. Badly injured? Call the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm. Find out why they say, we got this.
5: Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.
1: That, guys. Here on Birds Three Sixty Five, we got one of our faves from down in uh, South Florida. He's looking good. He's got the uh, cutoff shirt on. He's ready to rock with us today. Rob Motti from the Associated Press here joined us on Birds Three Sixty Five. Rob, how big a Madden game player are you? Were you? Have you been a guy who's played the Madden game over the years? Not a single time in my life. I, I don't have. Never... I haven't played um, a video game since Tecmo Bowl,
7: um, <laughs> which I I don't know how long. But uh, John Madden for me was just simply the, the I don't I didn't know John Madden the head coach. I knew John Madden the broadcaster. And John Madden the broadcaster was absolutely the best that there there ever was. And and you knew it was an important game if John Madden was there. And he was fun, He was entertaining. He was informative. He was you know usually when people pass away, you hear nice things about them. And I think. In John's case, they're all true. You know, sometimes we, we kind of reflect on someone and just always point out uh, the great things about them, and, and and that's that's what you should do. But in John's case, man, uh, everything about this guy was, was uh, put out there yesterday, and, and he's been eulogized and, and thought about in just so many ways. And it, it's pretty cool. I saw a video clip yesterday of him talking about Brady in his – first game of the season after they won the Super Bowl. And I'm sure you guys probably saw this clip where he says, you know, I, I'm probably going to ta- – I don't want to say this, but he reminds me of Joe Montana. Well, look look, look what happened. <laughs> he surpassed Joe Montana. So uh, he was also a little bit clairvoyant there. and He was he was right on in his observations.
2: Yeah, Rob, the amazing part you mentioned, the guy's a Hall of Fame coach, and he retired very young. Yeah. I think I – w- I was telling Jody, people think Sean McVay – uh, was, you know, the first wonderkin. He got a head coaching job at 33. John Madden turned it into a Hall of Fame coach, retired very early, somehow became a better broadcaster than a coach. And then at least to a, a, a newer generation, he became an icon because of a video game to the point where you just say Madden and it's like yeah. Madonna or Prince or... To to be able to go into three different phases, um, we use that term icon, which is overused in my estimation, not for John Madden. He might be the biggest name in football history. When you consider the encompass of everything he did and kept himself relevant until he was 85 years old when he passed away. Relevant every step of the way. Most recognizable name? John, yeah. right? Yeah. If you say, if you say, I thought it was
7: pretty cool how I didn't realize this, and I read it yesterday, was that when they were putting together the Madden game, he had he he did not want his name attached to it if it was a six on six or seven on seven game. He demanded that it has got to be an eleven on eleven Madden game, and, and that to me was it. It just epitomized who, who John Madden was. Even if it was a video game, he wanted it to be as realistic as football as possible.
1: And he made it that when he broadcast uh, week in and week out before he ever got to putting together video games. And uh, he was much watched TV every single week when he became uh, the Sunday night, Monday night guy. You knew you were getting him anyway. But prior to that, you found out what game he was uh, doing and you hoped it was your local game uh, during that week. All right. Speaking of local, let's get in to the birds. They're going to make the playoffs on Sunday or are we going to have to wait another week? There's a couple things that have to happen for the Eagles to make the playoffs, starting with a win over the Washington football team. You think uh, all the dominoes fall this week and the Eagles are in the postseason before we ever get to the final week of the season, Robbie? Guys, I think when we look at all those equations, Minnesota losing to Green
7: Bay is very likely. They should lose to, to Green Bay. San Francisco beating Houston should happen. But the toughest part of the equation for me is going to be the Eagles going to Washington and beating a team that I think Ron Rivera is going to have the Washington football team playing with pride, playing with, with, with heart, playing to uh, avenge some of their recent losses. And, and I think it's going to be a tough road for the Eagles to get their end of what needs to happen to get that. Uh, playoff spot secured. I think all the other pieces will fall into place, but I think it's going to be a struggle for the Eagles uh, on on Sunday against Washington. And if they, if they can pull it off, then uh, all those other dominoes should fall into place, which will make things so much less interesting in week 18. If you're facing yeah. the Cowboys and it doesn't, you're already locked into the 70. Now there's a, there's a way where the Eagles could be playing for the sixth seed and I got to look at well San Fran would have to lose one of the next two and the Eagles would have to win out and then they could get the the sixth seed but it really doesn't matter if you're the sixth seed you're the seventh seed especially the way the top is so jumbled I don't know who you want to face whether it's Dallas whether it's uh, the Rams or Tampa Bay Tampa Bay so banged up so beat up right now and they just keep losing key player after key player it looks like they're going through a little bit of a COVID thing right now. That might be the team you want to face because you already played them earlier in the season so you put your work in. Dallas, of course, you should know very well and then the Rams. <laughs> I, I, I would always enjoy seeing Sean McVay suffer a first-round exit because I, I still <laughs> think he, he's one of the most overrated coaches we've seen.
2: Yeah. Um... If you're, and speaking of, I don't think he is overrated, and I think we have a large enough sample size, Rob, to look at this rookie head coaching class, and I think the Eagles have the best of the rookie head coaches. But if you're if you're Nick Sirianni, yeah. um, it's not his fault uh, by any stretch of the imagination, but how do you evaluate your team when the opposing quarterback is Garrett Gilbert on a weak, uh this preparation, Jake Fromm. I've never seen a less prepared quarterback in my life until maybe Ian Book on the next day. Um, <laughs> and I still think Ian Book was better. I I how do you evaluate your team? Can you get caught up in let's face it, a stroke of block? Uh, do you have how do you keep your team focused? How do you evaluate your team? Is this real? Is it fool's gold?
7: Yeah, when you look at the quarterbacks they faced early in the season, Prescott, Mahomes, Brady, Derek Carr torched them, Justin Herbert, and you lost every one of those games. And then and then the quarterbacks that during this little bit of a run, Jared Goff and Garrett Gilbert and Trevor Simeon and Zach Wilson, who – had a pretty good game from a fantasy standpoint. I remember that because I had to pick him up that week. I had a guy on <laughs> five. But anyway, <laughs> you look at the Jake Fromm, you look at these guys and you go, well, it, you want to win those games, you want to play well in those games, and you want to dominate. And for the most part, they have defensively. So – it's better than the alternative. It's better than going out there and Jake Fromm and, and you have to win a 35 30 game. Cause he lit you up. No, you, you held them uh, and knocked him out of the game and, and, and benched them and had uh, Mike Lennon come in. So I, I heard Jonathan Gannon say yesterday, how uh, as the season goes, it might've been your question, John, you framed it that way to, to Jonathan, how are you going to evaluate? And, and, and he said, as the season goes on, your guys are more familiar with the system. They're getting better. So I would have rather seen this team face the elite quarterbacks in the second half of the season, and then you get a more accurate read on the defense and how well they're playing. Because if if you're doing better uh, in the second half of the season, then you sh- it stands to reason maybe you should have fared better Against the Brady's and the Mahomes and the Prescotts and everyone else, but a- as it is right now, we'll see in the playoffs because I don't think you're going to face no Trump quarterbacks in the playoffs. So that'll be interesting to see how the Eagles do. But I think they are playing; they're certainly playing better defensively. They certainly understand the system more. They certainly know what they what's expected out of them, and and they've come together. and And I think the whole team has done that. Uh, you you kind of said in the beginning of the question about Nick Sirianni being the best of the rookie coaches. And I hadn't even thought about that. And that's very interesting because all I remember is when Nick Sirianni was hired, he was supposedly the worst of all of them. And here we go. He may have, he may have ended up being the best. And I didn't think he was the worst at the time. And I don't think uh, I got to look at it. That's a pretty, that's a, that's pretty insightful.
1: He was the biggest reach at the time. And guess what? The reach seems to have paid off for the Philadelphia Eagles. All right, Rob, no, this is a hypothetical question but it could become an actual question as per Monday. If the Eagles get what they need done and everything else happens, that they lock in a spot for the playoffs uh, going into week 18, game number 17. How does Nick Sirianni handle that? Uh, You watched Andy Reid for, although those many years, and Eagles were always going into the playoffs. And several times over the course of Andy's tenure here in Philly, Eagles didn't need the game. They couldn't move up. They couldn't move down. There wasn't a significant change in the standings and or their positioning. And Andy Reid was a very conservative guy. He'd pull his stars off the field. He'd make sure they were in civvies as a matter. He wouldn't even let them dress to make sure that they didn't get out there and get hurt. The Eagles are a team, as John just pointed out, that are still probably proving things to themselves. We got a chance to play against the Dak Prescott the last week of the season, maybe you take that opportunity and go, let's go out there and show that we can beat a good quarterback. But there's a possibility that you may have to play Dak Prescott seven days later in the first Mm -hmm. round of the playoffs down in Dallas. So there's a lot of different permutations here. How's Nick Sirianni going to handle the last game of the season? The Eagles already locked into a playoff spot.
7: I think he handles it like
1: this. Jalen take a
7: seat it's Minshew time Fletch take a seat Jason Kelsey sit this one out I, I think if you go in a game like this as much as you would want to give the Dallas Cowboys the best effort and try and knock because they could be fit they could be playing for the one seed the two three whatever they're they're, they're in now of course only the one gets to buy so I don't know how much they're going to care two or three. They ought to because if one gets – you want you should want to beat two because if one somehow gets knocked off, now two is going to host the NFC Championship games. So I think that matters. I, I think two, three, four does matter more so than six or seven. But I, I, I would take the Andy Reid route, and I think a lot of NFL coaches have been doing that uh, lately. May, maybe play the guys for a series or two, but so much wrong can happen. And now you're also dealing with COVID, and, and uh, the NFL uh, at least reduced the guidelines from ten days to five days yesterday. But if somebody tests on a Wednesday or a Thursday, now they're out because it's still five days. So it's it's a it's a very fluid situation with COVID protocols. You don't want to add injuries to that, but I, I'm more than certain that the Eagles would take the the very conservative approach and sit most of their starters out you still got to field the team you still got to play a football game but uh, I would anticipate they do something like that and and say hey let's go get the backups out they're already so banged up at running back Uh, what what do you do it's on Johnson game who just got picked back up that's about all you could do there you got to preserve Boston Scott and and Kenneth Gainwell. So that's going to be interesting. That's another reason why I think it'll be tough on on Sunday against Washington the, the injury situation and running back.
2: Rob, uh, you mentioned the COVID uh, change, which just happened uh, yesterday afternoon. Uh, for those who don't know, Rob covers uh, the league nationally for AP and check out his AP Pro Football podcast. Um, do you obviously it's too early, but when when you tap into your sources around the league, how upset are teams like Washington, New Orleans going to be fighting for playoff spots? And at the worst possible mm-hmm. time, they have these COVID outbreaks over 20 players. There's been more teams with unvaccinated players. And all of a sudden, late in the season with the playoffs looming, looks like even unvaccinated guys are going to be able to get back. Carson Wentz being a perfect example this week, testing positive on Monday under the new rules. He should be able to play if he's feeling well on game day. How are, how are leagues and organiz- how are teams and organizations going to look at this from a competitive advantage standpoint of what they did, what it did against them versus how it's going to help other teams.
7: You know, I, I spoke to one of those teams or, or a couple people from one of those teams and, and the feeling was that they understand with this COVID situation, it's so fluid, it's constantly changing. You look at the protocols, I, I believe it's now three weeks in a row that I've been dealing with revised stories on revised, like they constantly are updating and changing, so uh it's they couldn't have done this before the cdc issued those guidelines and for a while there the nfl had been doing more than the cdc recommended when they were doing testing right uh, uh, of players on a weekly basis because the cdc doesn't even recommend vax fully vaccinated people don't have to be tested unless there's some symptoms and the nfl was just doing testing weekly, and they finally reduced that to targeted testing, which is still more than the CDC recommendations. So I think teams feel when it comes to the COVID situation, it's so fluid. It's constantly changing that although it's kind of not fair that Washington had to go into a game with a Garrett Gilbert, and then you look at the Chargers who were missing so many important players. I know they lost to a Texans Texans team that was also decimated by COVID. COVID-19 but their guys weren't uh, other than Brandon Cooks it wasn't a big deal for some of those players who were out And meanwhile you had star guys on the chart and all all of these uh, different uh, the Saints on Monday night all everything that they had all of them go through uh I think they understand because COVID is it's just constantly changing and I think we're going to get to a point guys where actual playoff game you don't want to be in a playoff situation all of a sudden Quarterbacks knocked out the day of, the day before, two days before that, and now teams thrown into a big game, and, and you're going to have to see. I, I forgot who Patrick Mahomes' backup is in Kansas City, but whoever it is. you you know, you know I don't want to have to see Blaine Gabbert for Tom Brady. Yeah, Chad Haney in, in KC, Blaine Gabbert in Tampa, or, or whoever else it may be anywhere. You don't want to see that, and, and hopefully it doesn't get to that point. But but there's that fear Fear, and and I'm I'm starting to to question. I think I'm going to do something today. on On I heard Nick Sirianni on Monday say how he's going to take extra precautions. I wonder what coaches are going to do above and beyond the league mandates, because I think it would be prudent to go and do different takes take measures out of precaution above and beyond what the league is mandating, And, and and under the the new protocols that came out yesterday. They can't eat together. Masks everywhere. Uh, 15 people limited in the weight room strongly encourage players not to go anywhere on a road trip, Uh, strongly encourage, but not forbid it. I think, I think coaches have to step in and say, Hey, when we go on uh, a road, a road game this weekend, this is a business trip, eat in a hotel. Don't leave the room. You don't have to party. You don't have to do any of that. This is something that should be incumbent upon coaches to take upon themselves and and decide if the league's not going to mandate some of these extra necessary steps, Let's do it because we can't go through this the final week of the season into the playoffs.
1: Chad Henney's still uh, living off that key fourth-down conversion he got in the playoffs last year. That was a nervy throw that he had to make to keep Kansas City going. So good for Chad Henney. Um, Robbie, you're a couple of years younger than both John and myself, uh, but you're a guy who's also been watching football for a pretty long period of time this, because we can tell like just by what you said about Madden, this week the Hall of Fame semifinalists will be cut from 25 down to 15. There are a couple of people with eagle ties, Eric Allen, Ricky Waters, a guy like Sam Mills, this is probably before your time going back to the USFL, winning championship with the Stars, and Eddie George, a guy who I met in Philly in a charity thing, is a Philly uh, local guy, but Did his uh, work uh, out of town for both his great college career and his pro career. The two guys that we recognize as Eagles, Ricky Waters and Eric Allen. Think either one of them make it make the cut from 25 down to 15 and are a Hall of Fame finalist. I
7: don't think Ricky Waters is going to make that cut. I I do believe his numbers are, are deserve strong consideration. Eric Allen, to me, is a very interesting case. I I do think Eric Allen is very worthy of of Hall of Fame uh, status. And and to see – you know, Judd, I haven't looked at the rest of whoever else is on the list. I know I talked to a couple guys early in the process who was on. I know Matt Burke was on it initially and and some of these other players who who were on it. But I I think Eric Allen deserves – some strong consideration. I do remember the Philadelphia Stars, and I, I believe their quarterback was a guy named Chuck Fusina. Chuck Fusina, yes. The well Chuck Fusina led Philadelphia Stars, yeah, right?
5: Correct. Yeah. Uh,
7: what a great, what a great team! Uh, Sam, Calvin Sam Bryant,
2: Bryant wow. yeah. William Fuller, that was the best. Yeah. Uh, Scott Fitzky was he on that team? Yes, Scott Fitzky. Yeah, they had a great team. Jim Mora, by the Jim, way. Mar, Jim Mora, uh, head coach. Yeah, How many many titles did they win?
7: Didn't they win more than one?
2: They won two. They won won, won. one in Philadelphia, but then they won one in Baltimore. Yeah,
7: They went to Baltimore and won one. Uh, Eventually, I think Eric Allen is going to get into the Hall of Fame. I just don't know if that's going to be this year.
2: Hey, Rob, speaking of Hall of Fame, uh, I want to give a a plug uh, to your Faith on the Field uh, show and podcast because... uh, and that's syndicated. People should check that out. But you you were able to get an interview with uh, Kurt Schilling, um, and obviously him yeah. in the Baseball Hall of Fame. So that was uh, really really interesting and such a, a a you know lightning rod because of some of his personal views and you know voters in that sport taking that into account versus what just happens on the field. I always look at your Hall of Fame ballot. You're a Hall of Fame voter in baseball. To me, you're always very, very fair. Um, what do you think of Kurt Schilling and his Hall of Fame uh, uh, and 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 what's going on and in, in his candidacy?
7: Yeah, I, I reached out to Kurt because I was struggling with my ballot. There's more than ten players that I feel belong in the Hall of Fame, and you, there's a ten max rule. You have to narrow it down. So. He had said he didn't want to be on the ballot, and he doesn't care if people vote for him. and And I wondered, should I spend a vote on Kurt Schilling, or should I give it to someone else? So we sat down and had a, a really long, fascinating conversation. And uh, I, I think when you look at Kurt Schilling, and the way I vote, I look at everybody, I look at their numbers, and I believe that's the fairest way to decide who belongs in the Hall of Fame. And then this would be something that. Phillies fans may get upset about, but compare Kurt Schilling's numbers to Roy Halliday's numbers. And Roy was a first ballot Hall of Famer. And, and Kurt's numbers are above and beyond. Should have been a first ballot Hall of Famer. You can't keep a guy out of the Hall of Fame because you disagree with his political views and and I'm not a political person. I never have been a political person and and I have great peace of mind having no political affiliation because I watch everybody get all angry and fight with each other and everything else. And I'm in the background going, y'all can say this, (laughs) you can say that, I could care less because i just don't care about i don't i don't i look at it from i look at everything from a faith perspective i only trust in one person i don't trust in a politician who's who's gonna put my hope put my hope in a, in, in anybody i put my hope in, in in the lord so uh i had this conversation with kurt it was, it was a pretty good one i came out of it and uh, i i ended up saying all right well i'm i'm gonna still maintain kurt he he didn't he didn't back off where he stood I got this sense that it does matter to him. It, it does matter to him. And, and it, it, he, he just belongs in the hall of fame and this is his final year of eligibility. And the same to me for Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens. I'm I with you. Even have to be, I shouldn't have to struggle over this ballot and go, Oh, well, these, guys, these guys are still on this damn ballot. They should have been in five, six, seven. They should have been in the first time. It's another thing I think is stupid. Oh, a guy's not a first ballot hall of famer, but eight years later, After not throwing another pitch or not getting another single, double, triple, or homer, all of a sudden, he's now good enough to be a Hall of Famer. What happened in those eight years? And Kurt played this game with me. Uh, Kurt himself didn't think he was a Hall of Famer. He said, if if I'm bestowed that honor, I'll accept it. But he played a game with me. I said, what do you want to do? He said, I'm going to give you some names. And he's like, Babe Ruth. I'm like, "Yes, Mariano Rivera, Absolutely. Uh, and then he goes, Roy Halladay. And I paused. And it wasn't that I didn't think Roy is, but I just paused for a second. He goes, as soon as you pause about a name, people pause when you say someone's name. That, that guy should not be a Hall of Famer in his book of Hall of Fame. And he's like, people pause at my name. They may want to look at the numbers more. And uh, I thought that was interesting. But I thought in his case, he he's certainly worthy when you look at his One of the greatest postseason pitchers, 11 and 2, two, three, four ERA in 19 postseason starts and helped three teams win a World Series. To me, he's a surefire, should have been first ballot Hall of Fame.
1: Okay, yeah. You and I could debate the, the cheaters in Major League Baseball going into the Hall of Fame for an hour, but we don't have an hour. So I'm going to drag you back <laughs> onto the football field. Uh, glad you put your faith in the Lord. Shad Khan put his faith in Urban Meyer. How'd that work out for him? Um, uh, is Urban well Meyer he, is he ever going to coach again? Any place, anywhere, any level?
7: Probably shouldn't. Uh, he's got nothing to gain if he does come back in the football. He'd be best suited for doing some some of the TV work that he was doing before that. But uh, he he might be driven by the the taste of losing and the way things ended in Jacksonville, and he might want to. Right, I don't think he'll get another opportunity in the NFL. That's for sure. He may get an opportunity somewhere with a college program, and that might be an ego-driven thing. But uh, the Jaguars got to make a decision. It's an important decision. I'm glad that they're interviewing Doug Peterson. I'm glad that they're interviewing Byron Leftwich. I, I saw a list of uh, several, several names that they're going to be interviewing. So they got a tough decision to make. And I don't know how attractive that job is in Jacksonville. Yeah, you got Trevor Lawrence, but you got a an organization that's uh, – their they're losing culture may far outweigh the uh, – having Trevor Lawrence as your franchise quarterback. And if I'm a head coach with potential options, whether it's Chicago or Denver or Las Vegas, Jacksonville's got to be last on my list. I think they end up getting – a head coach who has no other option.
2: And speaking of head coaches, last one from me, Rob, uh, JG, Shane Steichen. Uh, I'm going to put the number at one for each. Uh, over, under, do they get a head coaching interview?
7: Oh, I think they get an interview. I don't think they get a job, but I, I think they both get an interview. and Uh, I think we talked about a guy, Brian Johnson, early in the year. And and I said I was impressed with him when I I saw him do a presentation for the NFL quarterback coaching summit. And and I thought that if Jalen Hurts has a a big year, he's going to get some credit for it and he may get some interviews. It may be too soon right now uh, for his name to pop up, but uh, I think – Uh, He's a guy to keep an eye on because you kind of noticed that Jalen started to ascend a little bit when Brian Johnson was brought onto the field. Remember, he was up in the booth; now he was on the field. So I think he's a name who might also at some point get an interview, but but Gannon certainly the one who who will probably get it first. And I, I love what he said yesterday about, "Hey, I'm in the moment." And 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 Sirianni made made it clear. He's not going to prevent anybody from from taking interviews, but that's something you needed to be prepared for before the season. Get your binder, get whatever it is you want to bring on on a coaching interview. Make sure you know what you're going to do, what you're going to say, tweak it during the season. But don't be preparing for an interview
1: three days before an important football game. You should have had that figured out already. Rob, last thing, just doubling back. Um, you think the Eagles are going to win against Washington this week, but a hard-fought game that will be decided in the last couple of minutes is the way you see it, a couple days out?
7: Yeah, a couple days out, Jody. I think it's going to be a struggle. I, I really do. wouldn't shock me if they lose this game, but I think when they, when, when it all said and done, uh, they find a way to pull this one out. I, I think they're – the better football team than Washington, but I just think it's going to be a struggle. I think all the other pieces are going to fall in place for them. Uh, San Francisco should beat Houston and, and, and Minnesota should lose to green Bay, but uh, I think the Eagles are going to have a tough time with Washington, but ultimately get the job done and then lock up that playoff spot this week, which is something that I think should be applauded tremendously because we didn't see this coming at two and five. We didn't see this coming when everybody wanted Nick Sirianni fired because he made a flower analogy, uh, and, and here <laughs> they are. And I believe he deserves strong consideration, guys, for Coach of the Year. Wow, there we go. Serious consideration for, and a, for for Coach for Coach of the Year to take this squad and, and put them in the playoffs. Now, there's other candidates for sure, but I think Nick's going to get some votes, and he should get some votes.
1: Monty, man, always great stuff. Appreciate it whenever you come on. We're still envious of the tan, but thank you very much for joining us, uh, these two white guys up here in Philadelphia. <laughs> Thanks for hopping on with us today, bud. Thanks, Rob. That's Rob Motti, uh doing the Florida thing these days. But every time uh, you hop on uh, one of your little Zoom fests with Eagles, Motti's always seeming to work in a question, so <laughs> his heart is still here in Philadelphia, even if his uh, body isn't these days. All right. McMullen and McDonald, last couple of minutes. We'll come back. We'll put a bow on the show here on Birds 365.
3: This is Joe Krause of Krause's Coats inviting you to donate a slightly worn coat or jacket and help veterans stay warm this winter. Go to Krause's Coats on Facebook to help those who've served. Have a happy holiday.
5: The city of Philadelphia sparkles during the Christmas holiday season with an array of colorful light displays and illuminated Christmas trees, donated or installed for free by the talented electricians of IBEW Local 98. To learn more about who we are, what we do, and career opportunities at IBEW Local 98, visit us at www.ibew98.org.
0: Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you.
1: One, two, three. Because
0: Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia Bank. As a hardworking American, you've never experienced how tough life can be until now. A catastrophic injury while working on the job. A personal injury from someone else's negligence. Turned away by other law firms in the region who didn't bother to learn your story. It's time to meet the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm. And managing partner, Brian Fritz. Badly injured? Call the Fritz & Beyond Cooley Law Firm. Find out why they say, we got this.
5: Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. <laughs>
1: Right, this is not only the final segment of our show today here on Birds 365 final segment of the week. Uh, the entire Jacob Media YouTube channel is going to be off for the new year, both Thursday and Friday with live programming. Oh, there'll be all the Birds 365 you want here on the YouTube channel, and they'll be airing uh, probably one of the shows we did this week live on both Thursday and Friday. But since this is our last live show, John, we need to get on the record about how the game's going to go on Sunday no. between the Washington football game and the Eagles. Yes, we do. Now, usually when we do it on Fridays, you already made your selection and you can see it in Philly voice. Um, now you got to get out in front here and then see if the selection is the same come when they post it on Philly voice. And as far as I'm concerned, you're allowed to change your mind especially in these COVID times in which we're living. You never know it's going to be an outbreak on a team. So the only thing that matters really is your last prediction. Um, for me, I'm on WIP tomorrow night, so I've got an extra 12 30-some-odd hours to make my pick and or potentially change my pick. But I'm ready to make a pick right now. Are you?
2: Yeah, why not? I I think I kind of agree with Rob and, and Chris Russell. I think the game is going to be closer than maybe some people expect. But I do think Washington eventually throws up their hands late later in the game. I think they've checked out a little bit. Uh, and I think the Eagles pull away probably late uh, and win the game in 24 to, to 18 fashion.
1: OK, so you got the Eagles winning and you got the Eagles covering, but you don't have the Eagles handling and or blowing out the Washington football team. I do. I uh, I think this one will be non-competitive. I think the Eagles will be um, basically in control of it throughout. Kind of a weird game last week against the Giants and it was 3-3 at the half and then boom, before you knew it. It was a blowout, and I, I'm not predicting that same kind of game. Maybe a more controlled game, and the Eagles just proving the better team over the course of the contest, no uh, pick sixes, which drastically changed the game. I think they'll be in control. I don't think Washington will make a sustained run or have a chance to late. I'm going to come in somewhere at about 31 to 13 which has them winning by more than two touchdowns. I think it'll be an easy victory, just like this last week's turned into an easy victory. I think that will be the end result for this one as well. Uh, partner, I won't talk to you again till Monday. I may text you right before kickoff to find out if Nick uh, Nick Sirianni decides to defer, which I'd prefer not to see him do, but uh, have a happy new year, my friend. And I plan on being here on Monday and getting ready to do uh 365 the 2022 version are you
2: i am planning on it you know where else to to start a new year jody better than FedEx field though as i try <laughs> to dodge the sewage from from the top of the stadium uh so hopefully the eagles don't play like sewage but everybody have a happy new year enjoy the holiday and yeah like share and subscribe because Even though we're not going to be doing live shows, Jacob Media YouTube channel, constant more info than you could ever need. We have all the clips, all the interviews, all the shows. And that's why it spurs 365, because you can check
1: it out anytime you want. Exactly. And I want to, I I don't want to speak for everybody, but I will for everybody at the Jacob Media YouTube channel. We want to wish everyone a very happy new year. And yeah, we're going to be here in 2022, hopefully talking about an extended Eagles season Playoffs. into the postseason. Playoffs, yes, uh, we'll be doing the more thing here on Birds 365. But it starts with an Eagles win over the Washington football team on Sunday. So be back here on Monday morning with Birds 365.
3: If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media Channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify.